Good morning. Today is Wednesday, May 6, 2020. There are two passages in Mishabura, which is um, written by the Chavetz Chaim, Rabbi Yisrael Mer Kagan of Radin, uh, about uh, 100 years ago, maybe, a uh, uh, classic halachic source for Ashkenazic Jewry. Two passages that throughout my entire career have worried me and caused me anxiety and continue to worry me and cause me anxiety. So the first passage is in Laws of Yom Kippur. Of course, there's an obligation to fast on Yom Kippur, and there is an exception for people who are sick. And uh, as you may know, there are different levels of sickness, and depending on the level of, of risk or sickness, there are different instructions of what should be done uh, just to simply eat and drink as normal, to eat and drink in small measurements, and then what those measurements are. So it's a bit of a, it, it's quite a complicated subject uh, to be able to figure out for a given person what exactly they should do. And then Mishabura says as follows. Every rabbi who's called upon to answer questions must be an expert in these laws so that the answers are ready on his lips. Because it could be that in the course of just a few moments of taking the time to give an answer to a question that's being asked on Yom Kippur, it could, God forbid, lead, the delay could, God forbid, lead to sakanas nefashos, threat to life. Someone is in extremism and, and you're asked the question, should, 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 should I eat or should I not eat or what should I do? And you delay, it could cause, uh, God forbid, danger. And if it is a question that the rabbi who has been asked, normally, let's say in a shul, so there's um, a requirement of honor to the rabbi in the shul that um, any halacha questions should be asked to the rabbi and nobody else should be answering halacha questions. That's a normal um, aspect, um, uh, protocol of respect for a rabbi. I'm not asking for that. I'm just telling you what the halacha is. However, if the rabbi is unsure and he has to look it up and think about it and and uh, uh, reflect on it before giving an answer. And there is someone else there who is an expert in these laws and knows the answer right away, that person should give the answer and not wait to give honor to the rabbi by waiting for him to give his answer. So important and pressing is the need to give these answers. Um, throughout my entire career, let me see if I can do this without, one second. Throughout my entire career, I've always had a moxer for Yom Kippur that belongs to me. And I have always had taped into the inside. Uh, you, you won't be able to read it because it's handwritten. And it's in Hebrew and my handwriting is terrible. It has in very short form for me to be able to read the exact measurements and the exact details of what to say. I mean, I do know these halachos and I don't actually need to look at this paper, but you know, God forbid if there should be a crisis and, and for a moment I, I would be unsure or forget, I keep this with me at all times, every single Yom Kippur, 
in order to be able to, uh, that's how I, I, one of the ways I deal with the anxiety that the Mishra Guru causes me in this, in this passage. The next passage is uh, a little more frightening. This is in the laws of Shabbos. Obviously, same situation that um, laws of Shabbos are set aside in a case of suffix sakanas nefashas. That means a possibility, a doubt about the possibility of a threat to life. And uh, of course, that too is a very complicated subject. Uh, what is the level of sickness? Uh, parallels what is the type of infraction that can be set aside? Do we simply say, like in a life or death emergency, all laws of Shabbos are set aside, don't worry about anything? Or do we say only rabbinic laws? Or do we say, ask a non-Jewish person to do it? Or do we say, do it in an unusual manner? So it's a very complicated question for a rabbi to be able to answer. Of course, the bottom line, by the way, uh, in, in all these cases, the bottom line goes like this. If you are ever in any doubt about Yom Kippur, about Shabbos, about any other issue, act first, ask later. Um, even if a person made the wrong decision and let's say set aside and drove on Shabbos and it turns out later that the halakha was they should not, a person is not required to do tshuva. A person did not do a sin because a person thought they were acting correctly. So, um, I'm telling you it's complicated because I need to study it and I need to know all these details, but uh, a, a, a person should never be concerned about that. A person should simply act first and ask later. But in any event, it is complicated, and I and other rabbis and others uh, study this in, in great detail to be able to answer hopefully correctly, and these questions come up all the time. So the Mishnah says, the, uh, I'm sorry, the Shulchan Aruch says, Code of Jewish Law, a person who is sick and the laws of Shabbos mean that some part of Shabbos or all of Shabbos should be set aside. Mitzvah Shabbos. It is a mitzvah to set aside the Shabbos. It's not that I'm doing a sin, but it's okay. It is a mitzvah to act. By the way, the uh, hazar is, and the one who acts most quickly, is praiseworthy. And one who takes time and asks and looks into it and does not act immediately, that person might possibly, God forbid, be actually causing shedding of blood. If it is a situation where Shabbos needs to be set aside, a person should never say to someone else, you do it, or go find someone else to do it, or some, I hear people say sometimes, you know, get a child to do it. Those are not correct. Those, a person should do it themselves right away. Okay, that's the Shulchanach. Now says the Mishabur, here's the frightening part for me. The person who thinks that they are being pious and they are worried about violating Shabbos in a situation of sickness, that person is being criticized by delay. And that person has a mitzvah to act with alacrity and immediacy. Because while a person is taking the time to go find someone to ask, uh, to get the answer, when, of course, it's actually clear in Jewish law what they should be doing, uh, they could be causing uh, a threat to life. And the Rishalmi says, 
and the one who is asked, that's me, and the one who is asked such a question, that person should be condemned, should be criticized. Because it is a rabbi's obligation to teach these laws in advance so that everybody knows them and that no one should have to ask on Shabbos, what do I do? Now, again, I want to just immediately just say, please don't ever take this to mean don't call me. <laughs> you should call me. If I have to be criticized and condemned, that's fine. That's, that's not your problem. That's my problem. Of course, you should ask. Never hesitate to ask. But of course, never hesitate to just act first. But if you don't worry about asking, I don't want you to get the wrong idea. But I have to worry, have I properly taught that people don't feel that they need to ask and they can simply act right away? That's a big responsibility. and. Here's what is now clear to me. This period has shown me that I and others, we have not taught these laws properly. Uh, because of the questions that come up, because of the way certain many people are acting, not taking so seriously the requirements to, to socially isolate, not taking so seriously health precautions, um, all of that is leaving aside secular laws and, and, and other grounds, but just on the basis of Jewish law is absolutely unthinkable. And that we have large groups within the so-called religious Jewish world that are acting in, the, in this way. We, we, the teachers, the rabbis, we have not done our job properly and we have a lot of work to do. So I wanna just share something. I know it's a little bit longer today, um, but I wanna just share something. So. I've been talking about this, but there was an article that just was written yesterday by uh, a wonderful professor of Jewish law, Chaim Seiman. I've quoted him before, and um, I'm sure I will be quoting him more in the future. And um, he wrote an article that appeared yesterday, and, and the article goes like this. He asked the following question. People are asking the following question. As we are looking towards reopening, and thinking about what the steps would be, what the precautions will be, when it will happen, when we'll be back in shul, when will Minyan start. The, the guidelines so far are that even when government regulations are relaxed, religious rela regulations will remain in place. That is, shuls will not be the first thing to open. Uh, Minyan will not be the first thing to come back. So the question is, why should that be? Why should the Orthodox community adhere to stricter standards than the general public? If bowling alleys and tattoo parlors and movie theaters can open, why shouldn't shuls automatically be able to open? I just want to point out, I don't yet have the answers to these questions yet. I'm just, and Chaim is just suggesting the way to think about it. And this is what's really important because there are two different sets of criteria that are being discussed in how we go about reopening our society. There is a criteria that is being used by governments 
and municipalities in a secular framework. And there is a set of criteria that relates to Jewish law, and they are different. For public policy and governments and municipalities, the, the criteria is based on the principle of flattening the curve. Flattening the curve means that um, some people are going to get sick. And um, there is no way to prevent, because there's no uh, cure, there's no vaccine yet. We hope in Yitzhak there will be, but there's no way to prevent it. What you can prevent is overwhelming the medical system. So if we put these measures in place, some people get sick now, some people next month, some people next month. Yes, some people, Nebuch, God forbid, will pass away, but the, the, it will not overwhelm the medical system and uh, a higher percentage of people will be able to get uh, 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 excellent medical care. Now, this only will help a certain kind of a patient. It will only help the patient who would survive if they had the best medical treatment, but will not survive if they only have treatment under circumstances where the system is overwhelmed. There's a shortage, there's a, a, a burnout of the professionals, etc. That is what uh, flattening the curve will help with, not to reduce, but that will allow us to start to open businesses because, of course, let's keep in mind, there is a downside to keeping things closed. There's a downside to keeping children at, at home. There's a downside uh, not only just to the economy, but to, to people's psychological well-being, um, other kinds of risks. So, um, yes, it is true. Everyone agrees. Opening things up will cause people to pass away. Yes, that is true. But it becomes reasonable to discuss when it at least allows more people to receive excellent care. That's flattening the curve. Jewish law does not make its decisions based on that criteria. It makes its decisions based on the halacha of Sakhanas Tafashas. And the halacha of Sakhanas Tafashas is directed to saving all lives. Even if it means to, to extend the life of a person for a month or two months and they do eventually pass away, that person is also under the requirement to do everything to save their life, even for a limited amount of time. And therefore, usually these two things go together, but now we're seeing them diverge because if we reach a point where the health system has ample capacity, this morning's news in Montreal is not so good, but let's just hope that, that it starts to get better. But let's assume if the situation in the healthcare system gets easier and better, then flattening the curve and starting to open things up with precautions makes sense because even though more people will get sick, there will be more capacity and ability to take care of them. However, in the criteria of Sakanas Tafashos, opening things up without any question causes greater risk, more people getting sick, and more people passing away. And therefore, from the point of view of Sakanas Tafashos, we can never wait until the risk is zero. That will never happen. Uh, Sakanas Tafashos, being worried about Sakanas Tafashos, never requires a zero risk 
If that were true, we would never drive in a car. We would never cross the street because it's a risk. But there is some level, I'm not sure exactly what it is, I can't uh, quantify it, that we're willing to accept. But it will certainly require a lower level of risk than municipalities basing their decisions on the concept of flattening the curve. Now, um, we're not ready to make any of these decisions. We need more information. We need more data. We need more guidance before making any of these decisions. But the proper understanding of the halachic structure and underlying concept of the laws of Sakhanasafashos is the starting point for our applying it to the situation, hopefully soon, and hopefully we'll be able to see each other in person soon. I wish you all a very, very good day.